Good afternoon, everyone. How are you doing, Michael Diamond? I am good, Mr. David Melsa. How are you, sir? <laughs> I am doing amazing. We have a great guest on here, Alan Draper, co-founder, investor, attorney at Pro Pest Control, and he is a has the growth, uh, the business growth pod, alandraper.com. Welcome to Office Hours, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. So you're living proof that everybody has a podcast. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I think. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean it true. that way because I never knew I would have one and I thought I was living proof. And then I met Alan Draper. I was like, holy moly, all the stuff that he has going on. If somebody would have told you, Alan, you know, five years ago that, you know, you would have your own brand and your own successful podcast. Uh, was that something that, you know, or I, I guess it wasn't even podcast five years ago, really, but your own show, uh, you know, is that yeah. something that was in the, the realm of your trajectory or your aspiration? No, not really. I kind of stumbled into it. Um, you know, I like talking about business, um, but no, it's, it's just something that I enjoy doing. Never really planned on doing it. So, well, you know, in your topic is business growth, which is so applicable, mm -hmm. especially today when we have accelerated mm -hmm. change. You have a legal background like me, an investment mm -hmm. background like me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what are some of the common uh, growth questions that you like to answer? What are you know the challenges that people have when it comes to business growth? Well, everyone always seems to want to talk to me about marketing um, when it comes to growth and. Um, I like talking about operations and personnel, to be honest with you, and money management. But, um, you know, I think especially the labor market being what it is today, I think companies, in order to grow, really scale efficiently, they've got to retain top talent. And, um, you know, that's not it's not super sexy talking about that. People want to know about the latest marketing strategies or techniques or, or whatever, social media. Right. But. Um, I always pull them back into this conver conversation about personnel. Go out, recruit, and retain top talent. It's not 50 years ago when, you know, uh, employees owed a duty to their employers, right? I think that I think that has flipped on us. Now, the employers owe duties to their employees where, you know, they have to continue to offer new opportunities, opportunities for growth, increase pay, and all these things. So I think that's the key to scaling. Awesome. So here's a question, Dave. Uh, sorry, Alan. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, said, yeah here's real, you said top talent. Now, what do you look for? What do you teach people to look for to find top talent? Because people really don't know what that means. Some people, they're just like, oh, I've had this person. They look good on paper. And then they get into the office and they have the wrong values, the wrong work ethic, the wrong principles. So how do you teach companies? You know, do you have a strategy to teach them what to look for? Yeah. And you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Mike, uh, just finding the right person is so difficult. And I tell people that an individual sitting in front of you will never be on better behavior than they are at that moment. Right. That's the top, right. That they don't get better than that, at least in your eyes. And so you have to kind of separate that. And the way I coach people on how to do that is talk about the vision of the company, talk about your core values and see if their eyes light up. See if they're interested in having a conversation. We talk about those things super early on, even before um, we bring them in for an interview. 
we tell them, hey, we're going to be talking a lot about the company's core values and vision. So you probably should do some research about that. And then just based on what they know about the company, um, you can you can kind of tell if they care about those things and they match up well. Um, those are they're really tough to fake. And these things are super cliche, but they work. They really do. It's so true. You know, I tell and hire and train off of four things, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, mm -hmm. and inspiration, which is the desire that you must be what you can be, which is the hardest thing to teach because it's an evolution. It's not a trainable skill, the desire to be what you must be. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is all four are very easy to ask about and to learn about in the in the recruitment process. What's more interesting for me is how we talk about retainment because I think retainment is a duality. Um, it's one thing to keep employees yeah, right, because there's an expense to have to turn it over. But I think it's even more important to look at retainment in the form of engagement uh, because mm -hmm. an engaged employee will stay. Uh, an engaged employee is far more valuable than anything else. And engagement to me is the number one lacking uh, a, a quality that, that we, we look for, meaning that, you know, the numbers from Gardner and all the different polls that I see are astounding that, you know, 86 to 93% of employees aren't engaged. Well, if they're not engaged, you're getting what, 20, 30, 40% productivity. If you can have engaged employees, not only don't you have to worry about retainment, but your productivity can go up two, three, four, even five times not only internally, comparatively within your own organization, especially large ones, but even small ones, but in a competitive space, it can make the entire difference. And I think, you know, Michael was there when we, uh, he's part of my TV show. And that's not really the core competency of my business, but it brought out how lucky I am to have such engaged aligned employees because the productivity of the 10 people that I had on the project were that of 50. And the comments that I got is, how, how are you guys doing this with so few people? Yeah. It, was, it was engagement. How do we you know, uh, look and see not only for retaining purposes, but for productivity purposes, how engaged somebody will be? Yeah, that's the thing is that, and, and recently I had to let somebody go um, because they lost that engagement. Uh, Rockstar. Uh, employee in the digital marketing space for years with us. And he just became kind of disenfranchised with the idea. Um, and it was, that, that's on me. That's how I look at it. I wasn't yeah. challenging him enough. Um, but it, but it's hard because some people can fake it. Some people can fake that engagement, but, um, but it's tough to do, right? Um, I think performance is a great indicator of engagement. It's, you know, to achieve a high level of success, you, you really got to, especially over a long period of time, consistent res, consistent results, those are tough to to achieve. And so I think if, you know, somebody that's engaged is able to do that where others aren't, but just kind of their passion, like, are, are they involved in conversations? Are they coming to you with ideas? Are they saying, hey, you know, we should do this. I'm really excited. I want to get behind this movement. Um, you know, or we should do this. This is frustrating me. We need to change. We need to implement a new system. That's a great way to see if, you know, to tell if people are engaged. Sorry, you want to go, Dave? No, that's no. a great Alan, you said, you said something really great, how you just said that you said it was on you. 
Now, taking that as a lesson moving forward, when you say it was on you, was it? Do you think you should have incentivized him more with the, the carrot or even the stick, or what was it that you felt that you, as a leader, or you know, couldn't couldn't match him? The thing is, I didn't catch it early enough. It had been going on for about four to six months, and it's my job to know that um, that people are happy there, right? Um, I own quite a few different companies um, and I can get busy, but that's one thing that I can't let slip. And I didn't realize it until we went back and looked at performance and it had slipped over that four to six month period of time. And, you know, it was on me and there's, there's ways to get people to engage without just putting a carrot in front of them. It, there, there really is. And, and to tell you the truth, I, I guess the carrot depends on what you call the carrot, but more than just money, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. gotta be more yeah. than that, right? You, I think you get people's attention for a little bit. You don't get their heart with money. You don't, you don't. People think you do, you don't. And so um, there were so many things I could have done. Very talented guy, still my friend. I just texted him a couple weeks ago. Um, but it's on me because I should have picked that up he may have not realized what was happening in the moment. He may have not realized he was kind of getting a little bored, super talented guy. And I didn't push him hard enough. And so that's on me. Yeah. I would say, you know, all great leaders, when it comes to anyone failing in the employment space, I always use, utilize like a performance improvement plan, which keeps my eye on the ball that I'm looking at performance. Mm -hmm. But they all start out by saying, you know, I am accountable for your lack of performance. We have we have 90 days to fix this. You know, here's the things I think that I can do. What else can you think of that I can do to help uh, resolve it? Because I do see every employee that does not work out uh, as my own failure in in one way or another. I'm accountable for that. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. What do you what do you do in the situation uh, which you know is people lying, right? And you said you know people are on their best behavior. And people can fake mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I find, you know, especially with young people, and you might, you know, like me, have 30 some years of experience of dealing with people, and they don't even know how, you know, obvious their lies are, or, you know, the memory that's needed when employees lie about where they go or what time they're doing something or what they say they were going to do. Uh, how best in, in, in that aspect do you deal with, you know, where do you let lie slide or, you know, on the sliding scale of, you know, integrity where, because I find it very difficult because there's so many employees, right? And people naturally lie, number one, with good intent sometimes, mm-hmm, and, you mm-hmm. know, and you got to pick and choose. But I, I have a very difficult time, uh, you know, really taking, you know, into account wh- when is a lie enough to get rid of someone and or correct them or call them out on it. Yeah. And I think, I think there's two big questions to, to kind of pin down on the, the scenario. One is, um, w- what are the circumstances, right? Are we talking about somebody that's lying during an interview or are we talking to somebody that, that's lying five years down the road? And then, and then the second question would be, can you get to the bottom of why? I think that makes a big difference. I spent two years living in South America. I didn't always enjoy the food. I got asked every single meal if I enjoyed the food. You bet your butt that I was lying, right? But I did it because I, I I appreciated their their gestures and I I didn't want to throw it back in their face so to speak, and so so that's a, that's the second thing is why are they lying are they are they trying to protect somebody not that's not that it's okay right I think I think yeah. that you have to 
get into it and find out like, you know, how do we make sure this doesn't happen again, right? Because sometimes feelings don't matter. Sometimes they do not matter. Um, but I think you can kind of get to know somebody and, and understand where they're coming from a little bit um, if they have a good heart. I think that's a good point because I do, majority of the lying that occurs in my businesses are one, they want to please me, right? And, and Exactly. So, and so that, and so that's yeah. not really their issue. That might be more your issue. Exactly. Uh, and mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, like th that's an interesting one or, you know, the, the, the ones that are difficult are, you know, the intentional, you know, I'm going to do this. And then they, you know, especially with remote working, you know, I'm going to do this all day and then they go play golf. <laughs> right. And they don't know that the foursome behind the foursome behind them is a guy that's your friend and he's texting you going, Hey dude, are you playing yeah. today? You know, and, yeah. and meanwhile they're playing golf and you know it. Yeah. And, but it's, it's an employee that's been with you for 10 years and he, he's going to make yeah. up the work. He's going to make up the work on Saturday because there's no time frame to what he does. And so the, these are the, the difficult ones, right? You yeah. got a 10 year employee that is playing hooky on golf, but he'll make it up on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Th those are the tough ones for me. How about yeah. This? And that's, and that's a tough Saturday? one. That's a tough one because, you know, if you have a 10-year employee, rock star performer, the, 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 I think the real question is why can't he be playing golf if he's going to make it up on Saturday? That's it. Why can't he just feel comfortable asking, can I play golf? I'll, I'll exactly. do this on Saturday. Yeah. And, and, and that's usually what yeah. I'll approach with is, hey, man, I know you're playing golf. I have no problem with it. You do such – and make it a mm -hmm. positive thing. You do such a good yeah. job. Just exactly. The truth. It's like one of the rules in our business is – I don't care what you do. Just tell me if you're not available. And that solves a right. lot of the problem. Because now you have a concrete thing. I don't care what you're doing, but just let me know, hey, don't call me between noon and four. Because as yeah. long as you get your work done, I don't care if you're working between noon care. and four. Right? But, but I need yeah. to know if you're available because my OCD will drive me crazy when I'm like, where is he? Where is he? Yeah. And then I get all pissed <laughs> off and I want to fire the guy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. How about this? How about if someone bullshits their way into the job and lies on the resume, but is so good at bring so much value and someone rats them out, then you're going to be have, like, wow, this guy's really good. What do I, I have do? that I <laughs> Hey, listen, if, if, if a guy bullshits me um, and gets a job, I'm keeping him. Me too. And I did. I told the guy, he was like my top guy. He lied and said I met him at Mardi Gras. And when I was in law school and I promised him if I ever had the position, I'd give him a job. Meanwhile, a buddy of mine told him to tell me that he met me at Mardi Gras because he knew I'd be so drunk I wouldn't remember meeting anyone. And he completely right. lied. He ended up being my, my best guy. At the end of the first year, he was my best guy. He's like, hey, I got to tell you the truth. You and I never met. You know, I lied to you, blah, blah, blah. I go, I don't know if I should fire you or give you a raise. I'm like, I'll just give you the yeah. raise. Yeah, that's <laughs> impressive. Keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. Anyway, we, we got to jump to Eric, man. Uh, thank you so much. Alan Draper.com. Alan Draper. We, let's get you back on. What an interesting conversation and perspective. Uh, you know, podcast swap, whatever you want to do, business growth podcast. Love to talk more about the critical business issues behind business growth because you definitely know your stuff and we appreciate you giving wisdom to everybody. Thank you. My pleasure. What a fun conversation. Bye, Thanks, that was man. awesome. That yeah. was great. I like I like real guys, so oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Eric will be the same. Let's bring him on. Uh, here we, exactly. All right. We are on board here. 
Eric Lockfeld. He is the CEO of Bliss Champion, which obviously is up our alley. Also the CEO at Asset Wealth. Uh, he founded Bliss Champions as well. Um, and uh, he has and hosts his own events with a friend of mine, Patrick Combs, uh, specializing in helping entrepreneurs with their life's purpose, uh, which I always find uh, interesting because it's about as subjective life's purchase purpose as it was our lying conversation uh, with Alan. Um, Eric, you know, what are your thoughts, first of all, just about purpose? You know, I think it's uh, something that a lot of people needed to be de defined. And Wayne Dyer helped me tremendously, tr tremendously when I was young of understanding, you know, defining purpose so I could actually figure out if I was, you know, pursuing my purpose or not. Yeah, you know, Patrick and I do a lot of coaching on this and we've had about 150 people go through our little half hour purpose coaching routine and we're batting a thousand. So I have evidence here that it works and it's just this simple. Um, a lot of people will argue that they don't know their purpose and we believe that everybody has a purpose. They just haven't given it words yet. And so we lead a very simple 30-minute process uh, where we help a person find those words, which also could be thought of as clarity. And I think a person's purpose, if it hasn't been unearthed, it's trapped in their nervous system or their subconscious. So if you could get them to access that and bring it forward, it's really no different than telling an entrepreneur, hey, you should have an elevator pitch because someday you might be in an elevator with a venture capitalist. So we help somebody find those words and you want it to be their words. So even with my partner, Patrick, who's one of the greatest storytellers I've ever met, we can't use his words, even though they might be better. You have to let a person use their own words. So, you know, a noun, a verb and an adjective, right? A sentence that actually represents what your purpose is. You know, I wanted you to answer that before I told or would tell you what Wayne Dyer taught me to see if it was aligned uh, with what I was taught, which what you do is exactly aligned with what I was taught. I think I was taught the predecessor to the articulation of your purpose is necessary. So yes. Wayne Dyer taught me the thoughts about your purpose are your purpose and you're the second step. Right. So we all have thoughts about our purpose. That's our purpose. But being able to materialize or articulate it uh, with, you know, nouns and verbs and adjectives, uh, bring it to life and then give us a trajectory to be altered and angled as we learn from that purpose, what our greater purpose is. And we continue to have a greater and greater purpose. Hopefully uh, does my lesson of thoughts about your purpose, can they be your purpose pre pre uh, predecessed to uh, you actually articulating it? Yeah, I found that they've it's been there for decades. Once you get a person to give it words, you, my next question is, so how long have you been at this? And invariably, <laughs> it's back to childhood. I've yet to meet anybody that it wasn't there for decades. Now, that doesn't mean they're they're totally aligned 100% of the time through their whole lifetime. It doesn't mean that at all. But here's the interesting thing that might be different from Wayne Dyer from the past is that I almost have to trick somebody into revealing their purpose. I have to take them to a place of contribution because we're so brainwashed to think about impact and giving our gifts to others. What we don't realize is that our purpose starts from within. So I have to go to that place first before I can make the journey back and say, well, these things you described, all these benefits and emotions, aren't they what you really want for yourself? 
And that's when we can finally get to a place where they're like, okay, let's put boundaries on. We're not going to think about anybody else for just the next 15 minutes. We're only going to talk about you and what you want. And those are the building blocks. And then ultimately people don't pick evil things, at least the people I don't, I coach. So we end up going back to a place of contribution anyways, because that's where the joy is going to reside. Um, but we have to go to this place that scares people because there's two ways of saying it. What do you selfishly want or what do you want that would be self-loving to yourself? Right. Those are two very different meanings to the same person. Right. But we have to get to that because I believe if you can't help yourself, you can't impact anybody else. So yeah. it's, it's, so, start there. that's the building block. I love what you said as well about, you know, you go deep back. And, and do you think it's because a lot of people lose their authentic selves playing characters early in life that they know their purpose? They know their authentic self, but they're, they're afraid to express it. Sure. They also get beaten down. You know, that teacher that tells you you'll never amount to anything or that nasty dad. I end up dealing with that with a lot of 50-year-olds that are still dealing with daddy issues, right? Um, but ultimately, I think we also just get misguided. We fall out of alignment because we don't ever give our purpose words. We don't even know we're falling out of alignment, right? We just know when we're in a dead-end job or a dead-end career or dead-end company that it doesn't feel right. So knowing your purpose can actually become something very powerful. Because I think there's five reasons people don't live their dream life. The first one's really obvious. They don't begin. But the second one is what I want to zero in on is that they quit. People are exceptional at quitting, especially early, right? And so ultimately, I think that the biggest countermeasure... Hey, Simone, Simone sorry, is that was top, so man. good. That was so good. I was just thinking, I was thinking of Simone sitting at home going, I got mental issues. Of course I quit. Right. People are so good at quitting. The biggest countermeasure to quitting is sticking, right? Is not quitting, is knowing your why, knowing your purpose, because it's motivational, right? If you know your purpose and you've written the words and you're like, those are my words, they've been there all along, you know, you're going to be less likely to bail on your purpose. Um, so I think that's pretty critical uh, to understand. So we always start there. Uh, whether I'm asset wealth coaching or whether I'm bliss coaching, I'm always starting there because I need to know what you're all about, really all about. So. You know, Eric, it's interesting because you bring up that quitting and I talk about that, you know, negative behavior works in the quitter's favor and positive behavior is an antithesis to the positive uh, person because when we're doing something negative, we don't think it has any impact and never will. But when we do something positive, we want an instant impact. And they both work on the same aggregation and can, compounding of interest. But one of the things that I think are the cause that you coach, and I might use a different vernacular than you, mm -hmm. is we we have a learned helplessness. Uh, you know, people like Mike and I uh, who have been abused when we were young, and, and this can be emotional abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, what yeah. whatever it is. But there's either a learned hopelessness that causes us to have a mindset or a taught one, uh, like someone that's been perped, you know, it's actually taught to them. And then they feel as if they did something wrong or they, they and they get into the secular impossibility of purpose and bliss. Um, and I find it very uh, relevant to everything Mike does. And I do that majority of the people have been in some sort of abusive childhood circumstance or trauma that causes either learned or taught helplessness. Uh, how do you help people? 
Yeah, and it never ends. I mean, this is so topical. In the last 24 hours, 48 hours, we saw two of our favorite Olympians fall short of their own expectations. And if you go online and you see the viciousness coming at them, you just begin to understand how traumatized these athletes are through social media. You expect a 21-year-old gymnast not to be checking out her social media account? You know, so everybody just says, oh, you're a superstar. You're a Michael Jordan type. You probably don't look at that stuff, right? Well, Michael Jordan doesn't, but a 21-year-old gymnast does. And so ultimately, I think whether it happened to you in your youth, right, and you've been carrying that with you your whole life, both in your cognitive and your nervous system, in your subconscious, or whether it just happened to you, I think at the beginning of every bliss journey, we have to sort through those types of things. So Patrick and I spend a significant amount of time after figuring out somebody's purpose saying, okay, where are the blocks? Why, where are you stuck? We have to deal with that. Else what happens is, is we start to cruise along on teaching someone how to go on the hero's journey. We get false starts and we just keep coming back to belief issues because belief is what actually gets stopped by all of those things, right? It just stops you in your tracks. If you believe you can't make money at your joy, guess what, right? So we just can't move on until we get unstuck. And David, I think you would appreciate this, Mike, too. When I decided to come back into personal development after being gone for a decade, four years ago, I went to some of the hottest events. And at these events, I kind of witnessed and took it all in. And I was impressed, man, world-class events, but also world-class parties. And I'm thinking to myself, after talking to some of the entrepreneurs, I'm like, we need less bars and more psychologists, you know, literally waiting in rooms that we could just all go into to get help. And we're seeing that in the Olympics right now, right? There was a guy, Todd Herman, he just announced the other day, yesterday, one of the greatest, nobody's, you probably haven't heard of him because he's one of the greatest coaches of the best athletes in the world. He said he got 56 phone calls in the last 24 hours from Olympians just going through a mess in their minds with all of the pressure and stuff. So yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I get calls all the, those are the space that I play in and just getting inundated. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because my f- philosophy was, Hey, we, we should be prepared for this. You, you know, like, you know, th- this is a mindset coach is to prepare you for that circumstance. So it's not some sort of shock, but I think with COVID and with the interesting circumstances that are surrounding it with social media, it's a, it's a different animal that I don't think many like Todd Herman, myself, uh, um, my other Occidental buddy that does the neutrality coaching. I'm drawing a blank on uh, Russell Wilson's mindset coach. Uh, He's a good friend of mine. I'm sorry. I can't give you a pitch, bro, but we're getting inundated because it's a different thing. I, I, I almost feel accountable that I prepared my athletes for the wrong thing. Yeah. And, and that's just it. it. Whether you're coaching athletes or I'm coaching somebody that wants to become an entrepreneur or wants to go on a bliss journey, it's the same stuff. It, it doesn't really change even by age. You know, 20 years ago, I was getting college students to discover and pursue their dreams, dealing with the same issues, right? In just different ways. And so I think we need to you know, when COVID happened, my big concern is that this was a three-front war from day one. It was a battle over our physical health. It was a battle over our mental health. And it was about over a battle over our wallets, our financial health, right? 
And so I've mainly been focused on these two other areas and helping people rebuild um, and go on new journeys that make them feel great. The one benefit to COVID was that it did get people rethinking, you know, and, and rethinking, hey, I might want to reinvent myself um, based on what has happened and transpired here, what I thought to be true and what my future might hold. So it's actually a pretty exciting time to be dream coaching, bliss coaching, asset wealth coaching, uh, because people are really open to change right now, which in the past, that was tough. Yeah, one of my favorite books you and Patrick wrote as well. And uh, if you haven't read Purpose Code, you'll see why this is so valuable in all realms. Purpose applies to assets, to mindset, to heart set, to the practical side of, of what we do. And you guys both have such a unique perspective of empowering people uh, with revealing what they already have, right? I always say you are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, just like those seeds that have words on it that already exists within the plant. We just have to figure out what we're doing to interfere with it. Uh, we got to have you and Patrick back on. You guys are incredible. I we're two for two today. I got two. I know it's a good show, Mikey. When I don't want the guests to leave, and I was like, why do we always book so many guests? But people line up for months. I'm like, I got to get this stuff done. Uh, EricLockfeld.com, Purpose Code. You guys are incredible. Any else? Any where else people should reach out to you or Patrick? Yeah. So I, I do three things. Um, I coach. That's fee base. You can come to blisschampions.com. I mentor. That's friend base. So if I love you, I'll mentor you for free because that's what I love to do. Um, and then the third thing is I own retreat compounds. I own Bliss Island. You go to blissisland.com in Hawaii. Uh, I have the Bliss Yacht coming. Actually, that's the first time I've ever said that publicly. Nice. That's in Austin. And then I have Bliss Destin, which is- Is that people yacht. that you love on your yacht? Uh, <laughs> there will be, yeah. So, And they all have eight bedrooms, so that's the point. It's wow. We can do a retreat at any of the three. And that's, that's why funny. people are asking me to asset wealth coach them now because they're saying, wait a minute, you didn't have those things a year ago. How'd you do that? Right. So yeah. that's been fun. Well, you deserve everything. And Mike and I will share a room. So we're looking forward to the yacht in the <laughs> island. You can have your own room. <laughs> There's no sharing of rooms at the <laughs> I love it, man. Nothing like having a friend with a yacht and a helicopter. You're on my top of my list. So so is Patrick. Tell him I said hello. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, nice job. Great to see you. Awesome. I know it is. All right. Now we have another great guest, Holly Duckworth. How are you? I'm great, David. Hello. It's good to see you. Nice to meet you, Mike. Great to see you you as well. Um, We're on the leadership uh, train today, and uh, Holly's the CEO of Leadership Solutions International. Uh, I want to, you know, I'm starting off with these definitions, and leadership is something to me, that's so interesting because every great leadership consultant and uh, then themselves, and I know you have uh, uh, the great pending show uh, coming out, uh, the chaos to calm challenge. Uh, but in the end, I think to, for you to define leadership to me would be very helpful and how you're applying that to kind of the tips you give in mindful uh, in mindfulness in, in for and for professionals. Well, you know, that's a great question, David. And honestly, it's not a question that I get asked a lot of the time. My my focus is kind of what you guys have been talking about, mindset as it relates to mindfulness. So I teach applied mindfulness for uh, leaders in, in organizations. And, you know, for me, being a leader starts with can you lead yourself and understanding 
who you are, some of the things you've been talking about, you know, what do you, why are you here? And then leaders are humble, being willing to step back and pull other leaders in with you to then, you know, start, start on a new path and a new journey and be in that charismatic place of inviting others to come on this journey with you, whether it's in sports or banking or finance or, or tourism. And right now our world needs mindful, present, human, kind, vulnerable, authentic leaders more than ever. And I'm honored to, to be a part of that. I love what you said um, from chaos to calm and uh, sell more with less stress. I love that. So when you're talking about mindfulness, you're really talking about emotional intelligence, becoming self-aware. What techniques and tools do you use when you're dealing with people in high stress situations so they can regulate themselves and they're not always in fight, flight and freeze mode? Awesome. Thanks, Mike, for asking. You know, mindfulness is kind of one of those words that that has changed over the years. Do you remember when um, the word Amazon was a place in the jungle? Uh, <laughs> mindfulness is kind of that same thing. You know, Amazon is now a place we all go to buy things. You know, mindfulness is no longer about, you know, sitting on a, on a mountaintop, on an, on an ashram. And, you know, I, to just go back to that idea of definitions, I hear mindfulness is the practice of being present in the moment without judgment based on the work of, of John Kabat-Zinn. So uh, if that's the umbrella practice, mindfulness, just like exercise or sport, then there's different buckets of that. And so I'd focus on seven of them. A few of my favorites, of course, are um, intention setting. The, the book that you referenced there, uh, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World, is helping people understand the power of intention. How am I going to be in the doing? So many people have said as we're going back, boy, I didn't, didn't think that we'd be going back from this pandemic so quickly. But wait a minute. Let's be intentional about what are we dialing up? What aren't we dialing up? And, and trusting, again, if we're leaders applying mindfulness in our life, we can be clear about that. So there's seven, seven of them. Of course, gratitude is one. A mindful use of technology is another one we talk about a lot. There's a lot of new mindfulness apps out there. Um, creating a vision. Um, and not just just a vision out there, but the, the feeling tone of what it means to have a vision. And then obviously we apply all of these things to the workplace. So Holly, one of the other things that you deal with, I think is so prevalent and pertinent today uh, is stamina. And specifically in the realm of mindfulness, mindfulness, I see that, you know, one of the things that I develop, practice, and raise my own awareness is my mental stamina. Uh, understanding, especially in the metaphysical sense and physical sense, that you know the speed of thought will move faster than the speed of light. That I use my mental stamina uh, in order to effectuate a better blend or, or bend of time in order to be more productive. Uh, and productivity of adding value to things makes me more happy, which then increases exponentially my ability to. Uh, have more mindfulness and awareness in what I do. Stamina, though, is something that I see has been challenged uh, because of the stresses in, in change. And you talk about this chaotic change or handling the chaos to calm and, and the change that has occurred. How do we develop mental stamina, especially when things are changing at an accelerated pace, not only just through COVID, but through technology? I find people get exhausted 
much more quickly mentally today because of the overstimulation that occurs just driving or just looking at, at there's just so much more that will burn out a, a brain and that those who are mentally and carry mental stamina are much more productive today and will be, I think, in the future. Wow, that's a great question. And I actually haven't been asked this one before. You know, so much focus right now is on that word resilience. And, you know, back to the nuance of words, I, I, it's stamina is related to resilience, but yet not the same. And you're right. I do think the the consciousness of where we're at right now is maybe leaning a little more towards that need, need for stamina because we're not through this yet. And we've still got some probably some laps to go on the, on the track around it. But, you know, my two thoughts on that, David, are um, probably unique ones and what and their acceptance and forgiveness. And course, the, you've been reading The Course in Miracles. Um, no, I've been in Cabo for a week, um, resetting my own mindset and trying to uh, build my own sense of stamina because everybody I'm talking to, they have different wording for it, but they're saying I'm on summer brain. Now, in a normal calendar year, we would all be in summer brain. Obviously, now we're in this elevated summer brain uh, with, with the, wherever you are in your, your pandemic journey. And I think those two keys, acceptance and forgiveness, will build your stamina. Let's, let's be real and be human. It is what it is right now, no matter where you're working, at home or at work or transitioning in the office, no matter how much technology. So that having that grace to be in that place of, of it is what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept this. I'm going to do the best I can with this. And I'm going to encourage my team to do that, build stamina. And then in that space, giving yourself forgiveness. And I love that word forgiveness because the idea of what are you going to give for? I've got to give up something for something else. Um, you know, that week I was leading up to my, to my own vacation. I had to give up some of the things on my to-do list for this mindful reset that has now built my stamina and my enthusiasm for those projects going forward. So for folks that are on summer brain, maybe give yourself a little acceptance. It is what it is and be willing to forgive yourself for what may not get done. It might not have been yours to do anyway in order to continue the journey. Those are two great qualities for a spouse as well. Acceptance <laughs> and forgiveness, especially for Mike and I. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I, I got engaged since we talked the last, David. So yes, it, it's all, there you all go. about that. Yes. I hope I hope he or she is accepting and forgiving of you. <laughs> well, you you know me well enough to know you've got you've got to be some sort of courageous to to step into that. And he is the co-author on the book Mike reference, sell more, oh, stress I... less. So you know if you can write a book together and and be in a pandemic together, it does. It requires you know acceptance, forgiveness. If, um, if I can just that... get my wife to read one of my books, I'd be accepting and forgiving. <laughs> Well, there you go. Now, if she won't read it, she's got to write one with you. I bet she's got lots of stories. Oh yeah, she has lots of stories. <laughs> she should be yeah. writing her own book about that. Her story, her story should be uh, brand killer. How I killed my husband's brand with these stories. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I, I know your wife. I know it could be. She can, they can write it together. Oh yeah. Well, the good thing is, I did all the debauchery before I met my wife. I mean, Mar yeah. you know what I mean. So That's I was lucky. Difference. I got sober. That's the difference. That's the difference yeah. between me and you. My wife stayed I, with me. <laughs> you know what I love, Holly? What you said, acceptance and forgiveness. And I think it's so great because people 
don't allow themselves to feel tired and feel like off and say, hey, I'm just having a rough day right now. I need to accept what I'm going through right now and just sit in it and be kind to themselves and then they can be kind to others. Because I know for me, I deal with addicts all day and they'll call me and they're like, oh, I'm just out of my mind. And I'm like, and that's okay to be out of your mind. Let's just do something positive, meditate, eat some good food, get some rest. So you don't stay in that state and then just ruin your day and everyone else's. So I love what you said, because it's just taking that time and those moments just to slow down, reset, take a breath and just, you know, plot along. And some days you don't have a lot in the tank and that's okay. Well, I've been leading a lot of uh, workplace meditations, like 15 minute, I call them, you know, everyday mindfulness resets. And that meditation often comes back to something around that idea of compassion. And when I, I lead that experience, we actually invite people to bring to mind somebody else that's in their, their world that they want to give compassion to, because it's often easier to give that out in the world than it is to give it to ourselves. And then as we move through this mindful experience, then they bring that energy you know, from, you know, out to that person then back to themselves and then into their workplaces. So we can set that energy before we even walk into a boardroom, a conversation, an experience of self-compassion, compassion for the other people, and then watch miracles and decisions and businesses being created as a result of just taking that moment to get centered um, for ourselves and in each other. And talking about center, I do, Scott Gorman is here, our friend, Mike. So he told me it was Trevor Moad, uh, who's the person of neutrality, Russell Wilson's coach. Like, sorry, Trevor Moad, forgot. Which leads me to my last question. Uh, I'm such, I got mental stamina issues today. <laughs> um, this leads me to my last uh, question. So 2020 was definitely a year of reflection. You know, and we had plenty of time to reflect on what we want. And one of the things that affects, I think, mindfulness now is that, as you stated, this summer brain, that 2021, uh, because of all the reflection, then tends to be a year of decisions. You know, it's it was real nice to dream and to think and to pontificate and meditate and, you know, think about the transitions, you know, remote, stay at work, like all of these reflections of rethinking so many different things. Uh, but as we are coming into 2021 and through 2021, this time to make some decisions. You know, it's nice to talk about following your bliss and, you know, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore, you know, but, you know, these decisions have decision fatigue and, and mindful, uh, you know, damage or, or at least repercussions on what and how people see things. How do you see this year? Is it a year of decision? And two, if it is, what effect does that take on the mindfulness? Um, you know, everybody's on their own path journey. So I think it, we have to be careful to not assume that this is a decision-making year for everyone. Good point. Um, some, some will, some won't. Somebody's waiting. So, you know, as a mindful gift to the listeners is to move from that, that state of reflection to that state of decision is ask for that that guidance for yourself. You know, we're in the second half of the year and let those decisions show up for you in the right way. Because for some, that's a decision to let go. Let's just say of a job or an addiction and, and you know, release and replace that, um, you know, some of us might be doing that now at the end of summer. Some might be doing it in that back to school season. For some, it's Christmas. And and giving yourself that place to say, I'm going to make the decision in the right and perfect time 
for me and call in those support systems, a coach, a book, a resource, a class to support you wherever you are. If it's a hard decision and you're ready to activate it or you're just activating the question to get to the decision, um, again, a mindful leader is leading themselves first and, and doing that with acceptance and forgiveness and, and compassion. And uh, we're always moving in that right and perfect place. I know you talk about that a lot in your posts, David. Absolutely. Well, congratulations uh, as well, Holly, with your engagement. What a lucky, lucky, lucky guy. Uh, CEO of Leadership Solutions International courses, community coaching. You have your new show, uh, Chaos to Calm Challenge. And of course, your award-winning books, Sell More, Stress Less, 52 Tips of Mindful Sales Professional. Please go to hollyduckworth.com. You will not be disappointed. You are a dear friend, and I appreciate you coming on and enlightening us and reminding us that we do have control of our mindset, no matter how much chaos is upon us. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, David. See you again right. soon. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Three That's delightful great. people. And now we have our final questioner, Rhonda Marshall. There she is, the CEO of Anasi Naturals. Uh, Rhonda, welcome to Office Hours. How are you? Oh, she can't hear me. Matt. Can you, uh oh. Well, Mike, can you hear me? I can, I can hear good. Oh, Rhonda, can you hear us now? There she is. Hello. Can you? I can't hear you guys. Hi. We can Hi. hear you. We can hear you. We can hear you. Uh, Matt's going to call you. All right. Why don't we do the takeaway for the day and then we'll let Rhonda come in when, when Matt calls her. Uh, so, um, what's your takeaway for the day, my friend? I love what you said about engagement. And I think that we need to be more engaged with people by stepping outside of ourselves. And um, and then, you know, I love when you said stamina, then you couldn't remember. And give ourselves time to take little resets. You know what I mean? I get two meditations in a day. I get up at 3.30, but give yourself give yourself a break. Don't take things too personal. Give yourself a little reset. Be kind to yourself. And then you'll find your bliss. And don't race around in your head. Just chill, relax. You'll get there eventually. So be more engaging and learn to reset. The stamina, Scott Gorman, I love it. <laughs> Scott Gorman. <laughs> Trevor Moen and Scott Gorman and you. I need all three of your help. That's about it. <laughs> I hope Scott Gordon's still here. We love you, my friend. Uh, and Trevor Moad, I love you too. Uh, we're making great changes in the world. Um, for me, you know, it was really uh, like delightful. It, it, there's a delightful energy about, you know, Alan, uh, you know, and uh, of course, uh, Keith and, and uh, Holly. But uh, for me, I just go back to the idea that you can't find outside of you what you can't find inside of you. You know, all, all everyone here was like, hey, you, you got to, you know, whether it's the business growth, it was always Alan went back to himself, right? And the bliss is found inside of you. And But it was important to articulate it. You know, I thought that was really interesting that you, everyone's purpose is with inside of them. But if you can't articulate it, it's not real to a lot of people. Um, and I think, Holly as well, right? Looking during chaotic times, what you have control of your mindset, your heart set, what things can you do? And I also love the fact that Holly reminded me, you know, when we make, you know, blanket statements about, you know, and I do it all the time, right? 2021 is the year of, you know, decisions. Well, not for everyone, Bozo. 
you're right, not for everyone. And uh, <laughs> it's true, but I think it's important because you got to know your frequency and, you know, unintentionally, like I'm so adverse to overselling, back end selling, bullshitting people. Look, I got to be, you got to put me in check, man. What I say is not 100% true, nor is it 100% right. And it's not 100% applicable to, to everyone. But for those people out there that the shit that we talk is resonating with, right? It's at your frequency. We hope it's empowering you and, and helping you. Uh, but it's not for everyone. Mike, Mike and Dave, uh, Diamond and Dose, Dave, and the dope, and the dope people, <laughs> dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, uh, Diamond Life. It's not for everybody. But if if this is for you, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we're good. Let's bring Rhonda back on. I got double thumbs up from Matt. Can you? Hey. <laughs> Hello, I'm getting getting situated. My background here. Hello, how are you today? I'm amazing, and you are amazing. I don't even need to ask. Yes. Uh, give me a little bit of background on the Nazi uh, naturals, and then I know you have a question for Mike and I. Yes. Okay. So I am a chemist. Um, I am the CEO, um, formulating chemist of the Nazi Naturals. At a Nazi, we um, make care products that are plant based, cruelty free. And um, they particularly formulated for curly textured hair. But and so, the only thing it's cruel to is the plants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> you got to be cruel to somebody. <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. Seriously. Exactly. I'm be cruel exactly. to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, so so that that's a little bit about our company. We've been in business since 2012. And um, I, my husband and I, we are actually, um, my husband, he's an engineer, but he has 20 plus years of product development experience. So we manufacture our products, we uh, formulate them, we do everything. So from beginning to end, um, we have our own manufacturing facilities. So yes, yeah, so we do it all. <laughs> your, your dinner table must be the polar opposite of uh, Mike Diamond and my dinner table. <laughs> you got an engineer, oh, yeah, and, a yes. <laughs> engineer and a chemist. It, like the only thing we were chemically, never mind, we won't go there, but we have insane dinners. Anyway, uh, you have a question for, for Mike and I? Yes. So we are currently raising on a Republic crowdfunding. And so my question is, my, my audience is more so they purchase from us because they love our products. And so how do we get the crowd excited about investing in us when initially they aren't following us as um, investors? So how do we get the crowd excited, our crowd, to so invest? Five, five, five things that you have to articulate. So the good news is you have the hardest part down, which is owning the customer. You have a community. Mm -hmm. And so now you have to remind the community of your credibility, mm -hmm. right? When we remind them of the credibility, and which is really easy when they're purchasing your product. Yes. So you... But then you have to get the emotional attachment by reminding them or asking them what they like about the product and mm -hmm. what they don't like. Okay. See, when, when we find out from our, because people will use things what they that they like way more than they, but there'll always be some things you dislike, right? You're married and I'm sure you adore a lot of things about your husband, but there's probably a few things that annoy the crap out of you. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's true for my wife, but you have to realize your product's no different. Yeah. Right. There's things that they love about it, but they may not like the cap, you know, right. or the color of, of the bottle or the shape. Well, mm -hmm. when you start asking people what they like and what they don't like, and they're already customers, they get this emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they feel like they're part of the investment. 
Yes. Now, once you, you once again, remind credibility and get that emotional attachment by finding out what they like and what they don't like, then you can go ahead and articulate the quantitative value of the reasons the company is going to do well for them, the impact it's going to have, and the capabilities so that they can see no reason why they wouldn't want to move forward. In other words, if you get credibility, emotional attachment, and can articulate the quantitative value mm-hmm. of the investment to exceed what you're asking for, mm-hmm. you will have a high percentage of conversion from your current clients. And then I would take it a step farther that a lot of people don't do. Mm-hmm. I would ask those people, do you know anyone else, right, that could mm-hmm. help us? Anybody else that you love, care about, join us? And so many people don't take that extra step and that's where you get the exponential success in republic i just did uh, a start engine for our a7 fl and i think mm-hmm. we're up to seven hundred thousand dollars using this exact strategy of not only asking people hey what do you like about notepad notepad seven person football what don't you like about it mm-hmm. and then hey do you know anyone else that that would uh, want to join our team and the response has been overwhelming. So I know it'll work for you. Just remember and, rem- and uh, be encouraged that you already have the hard part because yeah. it took you, you know, almost 10 years to build the community. Yes. You know, a lot of companies try to raise money and they haven't done the work, the 10 yeah. years to build the community. So no matter how good they are by five steps in, in doing this, they'll never be successful. You, you have a real great chance uh, if you follow these uh, uh, directions to be mm-hmm. very successful. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I was going to say, because you already know your why and your purpose, you're already there. Mm -hmm. One thing I would do is reframe how much time. Mm -hmm. So don't quit in the sense of you're already being set up for 10 years. Don't get disheartened Mm -hmm. and change that date and be a little bit more flexible. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? I think yeah. you're taking it too personal, going, why isn't it done yet? Yes, right. You've been work work on this for 10 years. You're already right. a success. Step back from that mm-hmm. and allow, like Dave said, those strategies. And then mm-hmm. one thing I would add, mm-hmm. be really specific about what you want and why you want it. Mm. So 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 for example, I'm just trying to think here because people they love the products. We have tons of reviews and testimonials. But I, I guess because I have to overcome my own self-doubt because I'm like, well, maybe, you know, um, for them, you know, it's 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 um, a different way, a different angle of marketing to them. You know, and I, and I guess I have self-doubts about, well, maybe they, you know, they won't have the money or, you know, or like they wouldn't support me on that level. You know, yeah, Rhonda, so Rhonda, 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 cancel, cancel all that thought, Prater. No, no, no. This is what so <laughs> many people do. They work their entire life knowing that they're providing value to people. Mm-hmm. So the way I see it, when, I, when I'm when i ready to ask somebody for money, mm-hmm. what I'm thinking is, hey, I'm doing you a favor. Yes, yes. You want to make some money? Invest in me. Yes. Invest in my company. Yes. And if you don't believe that, if, I you, don't, if you do, then you articulate it because if you don't believe it, you shouldn't be raising money. No. But you're giving people a gift. Yes. You know, I, I wish, you know, I would have listened to some of the people that told me that, you know, I was blessed to meet Kevin Plank uh, mm-hmm. when I was working with Lee Steinberg and he asked for $10,000 to start Under Armour. And I laughed at him and said, you're going to compete with Nike. Are you kidding me? Right. But he's like, dude, you're going to, I'm going to make your $10,000 into a ton of money, Dave. You're making a big mistake. I'm like, come on, man. You're not. So, right. But a lot yes. of people did believe him. And yes. a lot of people are laughing at Dave Meltzer right now 
because because I didn't believe him. And I'm sure if Jeff Bezos would have told me in his garage 25 years ago, hey, man, invest in my book company out of my garage. I'm going to be the richest man on earth worth over a trillion dollars. In fact, I'm going to fly a rocket to space. If you give me money to start this company, you know, I'll fly you to, to space with me mm-hmm. and make you a billionaire. I would have laughed at his ass too. Right. He at least believed it and he asked people and he was right. So yes. you're the next Bezos. You're the next person. Go tell people why you're going to make them so much money and you're giving them a gift. The same yes. as Bezos would have given me that gift or Kevin Plank. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you got you. it, Rhonda. Come back. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. That was awesome. All right. She's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's so funny how people will work their entire life, give everything, and then doubt themselves. And you got to remind them, hold on a second. You're doing everybody a favor. You've already put in the work. They're going to benefit from everything you, you've sacrificed and invested in yourself for over 10 years. Go tell them that. And I mean yeah. that for everyone out there. If you don't know that, then don't articulate it. Wait until you feel it. Don't feel bad, guilty, you know, worried that they don't see it. You know the value. Articulate the value. Some people won't see it like I won't see it sometimes. And other times I get lucky and I listen. So thank you, Mikey. I got to jump. You are amazing. It is Diamond Life Fuel. Check my boy, Mike Diamond. He's writing books like every six weeks. He has (laughs) pills and thrills and a smile that will amaze Pills and thrills. Pills and thrills. That's it, man. It's bigger and bigger for old man Dave. has a fighting chance. All right. We appreciate you. This is Office Hours with David Meltzer. Uh, We've gone big time on Bloomberg. October is our date of release. The biggest stars, billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers. If you need anything, david at dmeltzer.com. Remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.